Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sauri Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode of Age of Heroes, my podcast. Thank you to those who are watching this through YouTube. If you're listening through the different platforms, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastBox, TuneIn, Spotify, R Radio, all of them. Thank you very much for taking the time. Now, it is an interesting time of the year, of course. We are now in December, and December always comes with a lot of stuff to do, you know, when it comes about the family, the holidays, um, you know, the things that we got to go through, the celebration, a lot of good food, also cold weather. You live in this hemisphere, in this part of the world. It's colder and, of course, sometimes can be um, dreadful. But, you know, thankfully, I live in South Carolina. We don't get as much of, we don't get really much ice or we don't get snow. Barely every couple of years we make it one or two days of snow. So I'm in a better place than a lot of people that perhaps are listening to this right now. So it's good. You know, it gets cold, gets chilly, but not not, a, not that bad as in comparison to other places. But it's a great time. You know, I'm telling you, it's a great time. Um, if you listen or watch the previous podcast, I gave my 10 reasons to be grateful in 2021. Te- technically, it was kind of like a, uh, going back in time throughout the year and looking at all the good stuff that has happened and the things that I, I should be grateful. Technically, it's we, we're looking at the year in perspective, and it was good. I think there's a lot of great things that had happened this year, and a lot of things are happening still. And it's exciting to see what definitely the world is offering, the world of entertainment. Even in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of all the challenges that we're going through, the, the difficulty of certain aspects, the financial upheaval that is happening around the world, the the, the prices are going up on everything. It's definitely it's still, even though there's a lot of things to be sorrowful or to be you know a little sad or sometimes even depressed about there are a lot of things that definitely we can be grateful and the fact that we are alive the fact that we have the opportunity to breathe the opportunity to to share what we love with other people even in social media even though i might not see you face to face and i I know a lot of people follow my main channel and a lot of people that follow the podcast have would never perhaps I would never get the chance to meet you in person, but at least the opportunity to use this medium, the ability to speak to people, and to share our thoughts through social media—it's powerful. Even though sometimes we take it for granted, you know, all the time I hear a lot of people complain about social media, which there's a lot of bad things. There's a lot of ills that come with social media, but one thing that is powerful about it is that it gives us power—the power to connect with people around the world. People that otherwise would never have the opportunity to meet, you know, throughout different nations, countries, cultures. I get the chance to talk to you. And to me, that's powerful. To me, that's a blessing. And I'm definitely grateful. And I'm going to use it as much as I can. So thank you to all. Thank you very much for for taking time to listen and to watch the podcast. Today is an important day. Uh, Today is a day that I've been thinking for months to talk about. And there's a lot of subjects that I can talk, and I thank every one of you that always shares and tells me, hey, why don't you talk about this or talk about that? I totally appreciate it. I, I put it on, I create a list of things, of subjects that I need to talk about at some point. I don't get to, and some of those subjects, I don't get to, to them right away. Sometimes it takes months for me to get there. It can take years for me to get there. It has happened before. But I always have that in the back of my mind, the things that I want to talk about. And this is one that I've been thinking about for a while. And I'm finally get the chance to talk about it, and I'm super glad. And definitely, this is going to impart some knowledge to some people. But at the same time, is to share what it is, you know, the facts that are on the table, and we can talk about a subject that is always talked about. And this is going to be, as you know, in the title, it's go- we're going to talk about grails. What is a grail? Um, the difference between 
grails, the difference between what I consider monetary grails and what I also consider emotional, sentimental grails. There is a big difference because a lot of people don't understand the difference between one or the other. I, I see, and this word is thrown a lot in, in the collectibles world, uh, among collectors where there is an action figures, diecast collectors, statue collectors, the world grail is used a lot. It was used a lot also in comics. But now recently we've been using a lot of the, the word whales and you hear that a lot between omnibus collectors, hardcover collectors, uh, anything that has to do with the comics, any type of collections in comics. People are looking for the whales and they're talking about the whales. Technically grail and, and whales are almost the same word and the same expression. There's some differences, of course, because of the origin of the word of the expression. But also, there's a big difference between what we perceive on the word and the reality of the word and what it really means and what it really has the title, who, uh, which materials, which statues, action figures, diecast models, or omnibuses or hardcover collections actually deserve to have the title, at least in the full sense of the word. And we're going to discuss that today because, again, this word has been thrown a lot. And definitely we need to clarify things so you know exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about something, as we're going to talk about today. First, we need to have go back and we need to have some insight. We need to have some basis to understand these words for those who are unfamiliar with them. Because when you come here and you hear the world, world grail and you're unfamiliar with the expression, uh, a lot of people, I've I seen that. Some people are honest and says, I don't know where that word comes from. I don't know what it means. Can you explain that? And in my main channel, JPC Reviews, I talk, there's a video where I share words that are normal in the statue collectible world that, you know, are thrown all the time and it can be used for this and that. And I explain all of that. And I will have the link for those who want to watch that video. Very helpful. Many words that will help anybody that is getting into statue collecting. But this is the same word that is, Grail is a word that has been used for generations for a lot of reasons. And of course, it specifies, explains Holy Grail, something that is rare something that people want something that is very unique something that that it's hard to find and people are looking for it and that is the word where the word uh, holy grail comes now for those who are more familiar with literature and understanding the word holy grail if you are familiar with the arthurian literature uh the, the king arthur and the round table and all his knights and the templars and all of that this is actually where the word came from back in the i would say in the 1100s 1200s a lot of writers were using that. They used the expression, uh, pretty much they created a story that has been utilized in many different novels where the word, word um, Holy Grail was introduced. There was this chalice that was, or this artifact that was um, kept by the Fisher King and will pretty much grant whoever drinks from it eternal youth. And of course, over time, writers were kind of mixing this story and pretty much these little stories into the idea of the Holy Grail being the, oh, the Grail for the, from the Arthurian novels and stories and legends into the Holy Chalice, which is also known as the Holy Grail from the Last Supper when Jesus was drinking and shared his blood or his, the wine, drink the wine and part, you know, in this case, uh, shared the bread with his disciples in the Gethsemane, in, in this case, in the Last Supper. And according to this, of course, that chalice became the Holy Grail that was passed for generations. And so up to this day, there's so many places around in the Catholic world where, you know, places claim to have the Holy Grail. Where there is in the, I think there's one in Spain, if I'm not mistaken. There's others also in the Arab world. And I think, in, I don't know if it's in Turkey, but there are many churches that claim to have it. 
the thing is this there's always been the search for that particular grail thing you know for that chalice for that cup and of course the legends kind of intertwine and they combine so the writers were you know actually combining both saying that that was the same thing and it's always been the search for that holy grail to know exactly where is that another parallel to that story would be for example the, in this case, something that is more modern, but it's also based on traditions of the Christian church, but also comes from the Jewish tradition, the Ark of the Covenant that was walked through the desert. And then, of course, what's said on the, in the temple of, uh, in this case of uh, David, well, not David, but his son, Solomon, that was the, the one that built the temple. And he was there and it was an important aspect of the, in this case, the Jewish tradition, the, uh, for the Hebrews, for the, in this case, for the Jews. And it's always been. And of course, that disappeared. It's always been the search. And I think it was in the 1981 film, The Raiders of the Lost Ark, where, of course, the, the popularity of the work came again. And it's been used in some other novels in more recent times. So it's more modern day, the idea of looking for the lost ark. And it's pretty much the same concept. You're looking for something that is lost, something that is hard to find, something that it's... um. And equivocally, it's something that people love and people are considered the most important thing, uh, whether it's for emotional reasons, religious reasons, or whatever reason, it's something that is super rare. Now, the expression, I'm going to share this because it's interesting and it's something that a lot of people know. I, you know, when I started hearing the word, um, particularly for omnibus collectors, people that collect um, hardcover collections for comics and all that, DC, Marvel, whatever. I started hearing that expression a lot being tossed around in some boards and, and some um, Facebook groups and even YouTube channels are talking about, you know, my top 10 whales or my whales and you know, looking for whales. To me, that was interesting when I heard it the first time, because I really don't know where this work came from. The same way I don't know who introduced the word grail for in statue collecting or uh, action figure collecting. But it was it's funny because a lot of people don't know where it comes from. You know, like the truth of the matter, if it goes back to the search of the white, the great white whale, which is Moby Dick, you know, that's pretty much it. The interesting thing is this um, for those kind of give you a little bit insight on the in this I, 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 since I kid, I love books. And to me, it's so funny because actually it's it has a lot of reality and there's some uh, things that are really uh, kind of connect with each other. In this case, Herman Melville, who is the writer of Moby Dick, uh, back in 1891, I think the, the book was introduced as a classic of literature and something that any, anyone should read at some point. Particularly, I think children should read this book. It's fantastic. And of course, Moby Dick, which is the, white, the gray white whale that everybody's searching and in this search. Well, in this case, Melville, Melville um, came with this idea. Um, well, let's go back to this word. I'm going to give you this. And maybe I'm just going here in all different places. My brain is going all over the place. But the word omnibus, because this is one thing that I want to point out. A lot of people use the word omnibi to refer to uh, the plural of omnibuses, which is wrong. And it always, you know, it, you know, it really, I, I'm not upset about it, but it really, it's so obnoxious as a word because the word omnibi, it's actually it's not necessary in, in the in the language, you know. The word, the plural of omnibus, is not omnib, it's not omnibi, it's omnibuses. Now, you have to go back to the meaning of the word. Omnibus means for all. That's what it means. It's a Latin word, and that, of course, it means for all, and it's with use in a lot of reasons and a lot of uh, signs. It was means it was for all the people. That's what it means. Omnibus. It is already a plural world that refers for everyone, for everybody. So when you put the omnibi, because the I is always used as a plural in the Latin to define uh, plurality, um, anything that is plural in any word. 
So they added this omnibus. So technically, what you're doing here is a is a is a redundant word because you're already adding a plural in this case a letter to signify plurality in something in a word that is already plural. But the modern usage of the word omnibus is it's more recent. It comes from the 1800s when actually it's a it's a French word that was the French were the ones that introduced the word. And omnibus really represents these big buggies pulled by horses that carry multiple people. And of course, that's where the the word bus comes from. In Paris, it, it was pretty much the first city in the world that was using this type of carriages to carry people around in the city. That that same concept was later introduced in New York City, where they were using this pretty much buses and this carriages, buggies. Uh, and it was Staten Island, to be honest. This is the thing, the, the historical fact here. Staten Island was had a big buggy system, and they were all white. So actually, Herman Melville used to work for that particular. Uh, he was the one that actually introduced the concept of having different schedules and actually add the schedule in a way where uh, technically he is scheduled more than actually the buggies that they had, which creates some problems with the union then. And it's a historical fact. You need to read it. Um, but because he did it that way, of course, it, the bus was always running late. The omnibus was always running late. He saw a man chasing a white omnibus. A white omnibus for over a mile. And that actually gave him an idea later, years down the road, for him to actually, when he was creating Moby Dick, about the men chasing the white omnibus, chasing the, the, white, the gray white whale. It's so funny because the word omnibus, so connected to the word whale, it's there. You know, it's an omnibus. It was being chased. So he came up with the idea. And I think, and I don't know who came up with this, but whoever did it, whoever came and posted this, of course, on one of the boards. Very likely, it was familiar with the Moby Dick story and also familiar with Melville's story and that chase of that white whale. So technically, that's the reason why, in this case, omnibus collectors use the word. A lot of people don't know that. If you didn't know that, now you know. It came to be is the chase of that white whale, that that pretty much the elusive book that you can never find, that omnibus that you cannot never find, that is always you're always close, but you're never too close. And it's so funny because that's where the expression comes from. So again, you know, when you talk about grails and whales, white whales or the ark or whatever, you're talking about things that are rare, elusive, that you've been looking for a while, you cannot find, they're hard to find. And definitely there is a cost involved into it, whether it's time and money. That's where the expression comes from. Now, putting those historical facts aside, which are just notes, footnotes for you, so you can know exactly where it comes from. I really don't know who was the one that introduced the word whale into the omnibus for omnibus collectors, but it's a funny word. Every time I, I hear somebody using it, to me, it reminds me of that story. And it really tells me it makes sense. It does make sense. Whoever did it definitely did a good thing by, by introducing the word. But also when you think about the grails, and whether there's an action figures or whatever, definitely those are things that are really valuable, rare to find, that nobody can find. They're, everyone is looking for, and pretty much everybody's thinking that they're the most valuable thing or the most important thing in that particular culture, whether it's actual collecting, whether it's action figure collecting, or any other, uh, in this case, hobby. Now, now we again, we put that aside. Now let's talk about the facts. They are two, not every grail is the same. Not every grail on everything that is considered a grail is a grail. That's the bottom line. But there are two types of grails or two types of definitions of grail because people use the word grail, but they don't understand actually what they're referring when they're talking about grails. They are two different, I would say in this case, ideas here. And first, like I mentioned earlier, there are financial grails 
economic grails. It means that things are expensive to find, super rare to find. And because they're super rare to find, you're going to pay a premium for them. And they are what we call emotional sentimental grails. The sentimental grails are the things that you love the most. To you are the most important thing in your collection. They're to you are the most valuable thing. You can get rid of everything you have in your collection, but you're not going to get rid of that. However, just because you have a, an emotional attachment to that particular piece, that does not mean that everyone feels the same way about it. You know, that's just the way it is. Just because you have an attachment to something that might be inexpensive to other people, doesn't uh, you might consider a grail of grails because in your mind is the most beautiful art, because you think it's the perfect representation of a character that does not mean anything to other people, that doesn't make it a grail. Now, some people will defer with me on this because people will say, well, it, you know, like for example, I'm gonna use the example and I was gonna use it when I go back to grails and statue collecting. Talk about uh, Dr. Doom on the trial. Some people say, well, that's not a grail to me. I don't feel attached to it. Yes, you don't feel an attachment. So it is not an emotional grail to you. However, just because it's not an emotional grail doesn't mean that it's not a financial grail. Because even if you feel something for it, you're still going to pay a premium whether you like it or not. You're still going to pay whatever people are asking for it because it's a really expensive piece. Because it's rare to find. It, because it has been defined by the reception, in this case of the community, since the beginning. It has always been so good to it to the point that everybody assumes that this is definitely the Holy Grail. This is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the white whale that everyone is searching. So it is definitely, that makes it a financial and economical grail. You know, that doesn't mean just because it has more value and it's a financial grail, it means that it's going to be received by you as an emotional grail. Because let's be honest, you know, like I, I'm, I don't have a, a special attachment to that piece. Just because I don't have a, smesh, a, a special attachment to it, that doesn't diminish its value among the community. I understand why it's so valuable, why people expect a lot from it and they, talk about it and they love it and they're willing to pay the price the same happened with the sideshow the original hulk pf you know which i own at some point and i sold i didn't feel as attached to it emotionally but i knew it was valuable so i sold it back in the day when it was still cheaper still make some money out of it comparison to what i paid for it but what happened you know now it's more valuable than ever it was you know and still and i know some people say well it doesn't do anything to me emotionally yes it doesn't do anything to you emotionally based on the art, because you might not have the attachment to that particular art, but the understanding that the value is there because it's a rare item, because it has been part of the community for so long, because it has been received, has always great reception over the years, regardless of how many other statues have. And it has nothing to do because some people even try to say, well, it's because it's heavier, because it's bigger, because when you look at it in person, yeah, there are some things when you look at it in person that you may compare to some of the new stuff that is done. You might say, well, the art here is better than this on that and that. But at the end of the day, grills have nothing to do with the quality of the art or the perception of the art or what you can see in comparison to other people what is better than other it has to do with the reception that is the value of things the value of things is determined predetermined in so many ways over time and it's been gaining that traction over time over time for example you can go to spain and look at the grail the holy chalice but that's not the only place the other churches that are also uh they claim the same in italy there's one you can go there and you can see this little cup you know, red cup, and you know, it looks simple to me, but it has value that is protected in be, between this, you know, in this case, the crystal and protected in this kind of like a little golden thing. You know, technically, I think the value is more into the what is protecting that little piece 
but it's just the value of things Like you can go to a lot of museums when you see things that are not valuable there are many museums i love museums particularly historical museums and when you go to museums where you see stuff and art that has been sitting there like broken art, broken pieces of pottery that you know you may think they're not valuable because it's just pottery just clay but some of those things are super valuable because they're super rare to find and they're protected you know all the whole protection around them in my consideration is more expensive than the piece itself but the value is there and that is a grail piece for some collectors some people are willing to pay the price for certain things they're super rare to find just because they understand the value of those things within that community, of course. And in this community, in statue collecting, in action figure collecting, there are things that are always going to be held to a higher standard because they have financial value, because they have an understanding they're rare to find. And anybody understands whether you like it or not, whether it's strong or not, whether it's you know pretty or not, people understand its value and they are willing to pay the price to collect something that is super rare and fine and that is what makes a financial and economical a monetary grail now sentimental grace we all have you know the bottom line here for example these pieces that i have behind me i don't know if you can see them of course because of the camera but then i have this saber tooth that it was a custom piece that a friend and i we work with uh, eric sosa of course we needed some financial backing on this so to get a couple pieces for a few collectors it took a while to get the sponsors you know the, the people to help us to go through the whole process because it's not cheap we have to go through a lot of different things you know you have to pay a lot of people to get that stuff done that you want it it took us like i think over two and a half years or more just to get the whole project going until we, i was able to get that to me that's an emotional grail and i know some people still to this day they call me and ask me where can i get one of these this is no more you know because we're not selling this it's just something that was done between friends however to me that's an emotional grail not everyone is interested on that piece not everyone so it's not a financial grail because even though you know i'm telling you we have to find ways to cut on the expenses and the cut and we lost a lot of money in the process just trying to get some of the stuff produced secondly we kind of like i kind of gave some away at a discount just in order to get it even some people even artists got some free samples just for them to paint you know the thing is this we lost money so technically it's not a financial grail but it is an emotional grail to me why because it's an attachment that i have to that piece what it really cost us you know sleepless nights a lot of times talking to my friend talking and trying to come into solutions to problems that could have figured it out how to get stuff done how to be able to get the ball rolling in china things like that because we have to it was actually um it was done in china the in this case the the prototype all of those things so there was a lot of things that got into it and to be honest with you like sometimes people don't understand and one day probably gonna talk about the custom market here uh and sometimes people don't want to talk about it but there's a lot that gets involved it's not as simple as it is it's not really cheap and there's a lot if you want to make a custom you know a few pieces just for a couple of friends people that want to support you on that vision you can get it done but it's going to cost you a lot of money it's going to cost a lot of time but the thing is this going back to the whole thing here of the expression here that is an emotional grail to me it's emotional i have an attachment i'm not gonna let go of that piece because it means a lot to me that doesn't mean that everyone feels the same way about it and the same happens with a lot of pieces that we may have in our collection they have an attachment we have an emotional attachment that doesn't mean they're super rare now for example in the books that i have here if you look in the back i have some here danger room for example uh no danger room i'm talking about danger girl that is to me a grail it is a grail it's a financial grail because you cannot find it anymore i'm talking about the absolute version that absolute version was the you know actually published by cliffhanger which no longer exists 
it is rare to find and that is a monetary grail if you want to find a copy like that one it will cost you a lot of money now of course i've been reprinted in different ways different formats but not like that so to me that is a grail it is a grail it's financial grail i paid top dollar for that now usagi Yojimbo was a grail for me for a long time you know it was a financial grail if you wanted to find it was a whale that you, if you wanted to find you had to pay top dollar for it thankfully it was re reprinted by Fantagraphics, and now of course the even the reprint is sold out i was able to get it so i would consider it a grail although i wouldn't say at the same value because yeah that is the reprint the original is still expensive because it's the original so even in my collection i have books that i consider grails our books are super rare maybe one day i'm gonna make a video of my top 10 whales or, or grails or books in, in my collection that i personally love i mean you know that to me are the best of the best i would hard to let go for me because what they have and some of them is because they're financial grails you know they're monetary grails some of them are not some are more emotional grails that have an attachment because some of these books have been reprinted over and over so have an emotional attachment to it that doesn't mean that they're most they're most expensive in my collection even some of the books that are the most expensive in my collection are not my favorite books you know the books that are perhaps are my most favorite the ones that i have more emotional attachment are not even the most expensive because they have been re reprinted multiple times but you know it is what it is at the end of the day the word grail is used a lot and you know you're going to use you're going to hear it all the time particularly a lot of new collectors are going to use it like crazy to them it's like grail 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 everything is a grail because everything is beautiful bottom line if you have been here for a few years you know everything you see is going to be the ultimate thing that's just the way it is because everything is going to be you're going to be like the kid that comes to new york city for the first time looking at the big skyscrapers and you're like wow you know you're just impressed by everything but over time that is going to subside over time you're going to feel more like oh yeah it looks cool because you have seen it all i'm not saying all but you have seen almost everything in so many different ways and yes i'm still surprised like i'm telling you this year has been amazing the artists improving over and over and over but there's nothing really new under the sun in the sense that yes you know a lot of things are new materials are new there are new materials that are creating more amazing likeness but at the same time the poses remain the same they're still the same poses the same engineering still kind of performs the basics of the engineering of this piece is still the same and some companies are trying to do new things by changing some things aspects like Kodobuki is doing with these new pieces that they're producing some of the ideas are not as well applied i still need to review that uh captain america back there there are a couple i love a lot of aspects of that statue but there are a lot of things that i'm not crazy about and i'm going to talk about it when i review it on my channel main, main channel jp sorry but i'm telling you there are aspects that are changing but there are things that are still going back to the basics it's still museum post still the most popular the captain Nem the captain morgan knee is still the most popular why because they work there are basics that work and people still like that concept they're same poses. You're going to see the same poses almost across the board. Companies apply the same poses. Even XM Studios, when you look at some of the many of the statues, they always use the same pose. Why? Because they're very dynamic and they work. And yeah, some people that have been here the longest and have collected many different pieces over time, they're going to have almost the same piece, different skulls, but the different the same pose over and over. So people are going to voice their opinion and say, wait, wait a minute, you're actually producing the same thing again. So that's the reason why some people, you know, they voice their opinion, they complain about certain things. New collectors are not going to see the problem because to them it's like, oh, this is the most beautiful Hulk ever made. Well, perhaps it is to you. It doesn't mean that it's the only one. It doesn't mean that it's the unique, unique as a concept. That concept has been utilized many, many times on different scales. That's the way it is. Now, now coming to the end of the, the podcast, it's been an interesting one. Perhaps I've been rambling a lot on this one. 
which I always do. If you follow this podcast, you know that I love to ramble and I'll take pride of that because hey, why not? You know, this is my platform. If you want to ramble as well, I, you know, you can do your own podcast and you can share your views and definitely uh, it's fun. I'm telling you, it's fun. It is interesting to me, you know, again, they are monetary financial grails. Those are the ones that have been established over time since the beginning. Many of them are the first statues ever produced and they're going to hold value. The same as Bowen has some grails that are amazing pieces that amazing just because of the history behind them. Not necessarily because when you compare, like, for example, the, the Superman, uh, what was that? The Superman that he produced super popular for years, you know, of course, and, and the Seinfeld show and all of that, that is a Superman that when you look at it, it's not much to look at. It's just okay. The paint job, it's not that great. It has the little plastic cave that you can take off. It's, it's not that great of an engineering part, but when it came out, it was amazing. Of course, the history behind the show and everything and what it represented. And also because it wasn't a time where a lot of these statues were not in mainstream stuff. You know, people were not talking about it. Like now, so show is kind of mainstream. Everywhere talks about Zai show. And then you see even actors and actors, you know, in this case, comedians, you see, um, you know, people, you know, rappers, all of that actually coming on their videos, all of that stuff, talking about SciShow. But it was not the case. So it was like a win for a lot of geeks like myself, you know, watching these shows. And all of a sudden you see this and you see these pieces that to us that were important. That's the reason why they have this uh, status among collectors because they're valuable. But, yeah, you can compare that to the new Prime One Studio uh, it's Superman's and there are plenty of them and people will say well this is better how can people compare one of the other this tiny little piece with this huge piece with the art of Jim Lee at the end of the day it's just a matter of perception yes this has representation in the sense of the value the emotional value what really held for years in comparison to this newer statue that in my opinion it's good it's beautiful it's tremendous but it's not unique when there's so many other Supermans that are being produced right now with such likeness and amazing art in all different scales. Because I'm telling you, a one-third, a half-scale, even a life-size thing, is, in my opinion, that doesn't infer, it doesn't mean that that automatically makes that piece a grail. The size doesn't make things a grail. Just because something is bigger doesn't make it better. The same way you can drive a big pickup truck that you, it's a beautiful pickup truck with all the ins and outs, with everything, with all the, the beautiful things. But when you compare right next to a sports car that costs perhaps 10 times what that pickup truck costs, what is more valuable? What is more valuable in the eyes of car collectors? That McLaren in comparison to that pickup truck. Because at the end of the day, it's just perception and the name that has been inferred into those handmade vehicles that have been created by artisans that know how to build these cars in comparison to something that has been produced in a factory and it's on a production line where they produce thousands of the same vehicle. You have to kind of keep that in mind. And while those are, you have to, are made to order. So there's a big difference between one or the other. You know, like that's the reason why some things are grails and some things have value. You know, they represent more whether they're beautiful or not, whether they they are still better manufactured, you know, because of the time that we have improved some of the quality of the manufacturing. That doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, it's just a matter of perception. And yes, now finally coming to the end. At the end of the day, we all love these things. You know, we have things that we are attached to. And there's nothing wrong with calling some things a grail. But make no mistake, just because you call it a grail doesn't automatically mean that everyone perceives this as a grail. It is a grail to you, perhaps to other people, because of the emotional attachment. That doesn't make that a financial grail. 
and understanding why some people consider some things grail and some you know sometimes people say well i don't know why i don't know why people consider this a grail and believe me i was one of them years ago i used to consider some things like i can understand why people love in this case going back to the sideshow dr doom i didn't understand why people like it so much i felt like, i don't know why people like it so much until i saw it in person i realized okay this is the reason why I'm not saying that it's perfect but i'm saying that there was a lot of things there in comparison to other stuff that sideshow was producing at the time that make a very piece, very unique, a very interesting concept, a very important concept that also marked the beginning of a lot of things that would come in the aftermath of that piece. So the same thing would happen when you look at the Exxon Magneto, the first piece that really put this company on the map. It was different. It was not my idea of Magneto. I prefer more Magneto. In my mind, you know, I, I kind of grew up more, you know, I grew up in the 80s Magneto, but definitely the Magneto that was done by Jim Lee was definitely the one that I kind of gravitated the most because I love the way he represented the character. So when I look at more like a Jim Lee style Magneto, that's to me the Magneto that I'm crazy about. So when this concept came out, I was like, eh, I don't know why people loving it so much. But then when you start seeing it, I never seen it in person, but when you start seeing the videos, when you're seeing the pictures and people talking about it and all these great images, then you realize the importance of this piece, what is breaking and what is creating and opening a door for this company to start bringing some of stuff. Not saying that XM, everything that XM produces, not, not everything is perfect, but there are great things that he had, they have produced and everything started, the, the company, Fame started with that piece, the same as Prime One Studio. The fame started when they created that Megatron and that Optimus Prime that were amazed. That Megatron was the beginning of that company. The quality, all the pieces, the engineering, all of that really defined the way uh, Prime One Studio would work. And definitely that particular, that first um, Megatron still will be considered a grail. And yeah, they have produced other Megatrons that in my opinion are better in the end, in the engineering part, but that one really defined the company. That's the reason it's a grail, and that's the reason why it's going to be more important than anything else. And the same can be applied with action figures. For example, when you talk about NECA, for example, action figures, there's so many. How many Tennis Mutant Ninja Turtles have been created? But for the longest, the original, based on the comic book, were super rare. They, there were a lot, of course, a lot of copies that were produced in China of it. But if you own the original set in a box, you have, you're going to pay top dollar for that particular set because they were the best, because they were unique. And they still consider, I would say, even up to this day, at the top level of action figures, even though they, you know, some of the figures now are better engineered, even NECA produces better engineer figures, but just that's the way it is. My friends, what is your opinion? This was an interesting podcast today, an interesting episode. Yes, they are grails. Yes, they're financial grails. And, you know, whether you like it or not, you have to accept it. And they're emotional grails. We all have an emotional grail. We have emotional attachment to certain pieces. Just because something, and this is another thing that I did not mention, and I need to mention before I go. This is the part that I, I think I escaped, escaped me, but now it just came to my mind. There are a lot of times where people use the word grail for things that just haven't come out yet. And I have to be very careful to not use that word, that expression in that moment. Because something says, oh, you know, it's coming out, that's my grail. It's not out for yet. You're looking at a prototype. Now, the definition of grail would be when the final product comes out. And it becomes super rare and it becomes super rare to find because of the quantity, because of the reception, whatever, then that, then that piece has the right to become a grail. In the meantime, when you see a prototype, I don't consider that a grail until I see the final product. Cannot be a grail because, you know, still not produced. You know, once something becomes rare, something is, the, the demand is super high and the price rise up, then we're talking about a financial, economical, monetary grail. Of course, you know, you may have any attachment emotionally, 
but that's about it. But my friends, thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Don't forget if you're listening this uh, here on the different platforms to to share this platform with your friends, you know, to share the podcast. Also follow me on YouTube. All the links are down below. And my friends, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Take care. And I will talk to you again. Bye-bye.